It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. Stan Dryav, Nick Braccia on deck. We're going to get into last week's UFC fight night where Leon Edwards and uh, and Bilal Muhammad went to a no contest, unfortunately. And of course, we're going to preview this weekend's fight card in which we have Derek Brunson going up against Kevin Holland in the main event. Nikolai, it was a good competitive one, as usual, between you and me on the draft was, picks. I picked up yeah. three and a half points. You picked up two and a half points, which leaves me only two and a half points ahead of you. So we're still staying Tight. competitive. One of my weaker, I, there were a, a couple. I caught a couple of bad breaks, man. I did not think that was going to happen to Jonathan Mar- Martinez. Well, Jonathan Martinez was actually my pick, so that was a bad. Oh break yeah, for you're me. right. <laughs> uh, you you were actually you were actually very fortunate that Dan Ige. Uh, by the way, Dan Ige could have still won if he didn't score that quick knockout. But the fact that he just like touched him once and Gavin dropped, man, that was that that was like unlike Ige to be honest yeah. with you even though even though Gavin Tucker has been rocked a few times and you actually did have quite a bit of good fortune because you picked JJ Aldridge and I, I think the consensus is that she definitely didn't deserve that decision I think on MMA decisions there was only one journalist that gave it to her yeah I thought it I mean again I didn't think it was I didn't think it was robbery I thought it was controversial um and then Gloria DePaulo yeah Gloria DePaulo um was unable to get it done against Jin Yu Frey so again whenever I pick against whenever I pick against the women that I usually pick they uh they they prove me wrong It's loyalty it is, but like you got to have that well, loyalty after those first two performances it was just you know See, I was loyal to Angela Hill, and that worked out really well for yeah, me. Yeah, she's also got really pick. elite. The same, your loyalty coincided with her developing extremely elite <laughs> skills. <laughs> no, she 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 did look really good. Let's let's start off. Uh, I mean, we're not going to talk very long about the main event, but Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad, Edwards ended up looking really good for about a round and a few seconds, essentially, and. Before you know it, he landed his second eye poke, and this one was pretty bad with Bilal Muhammad just yelping in pain. And Bilal's not the kind of guy, I don't think, to kind of over-exaggerate that kind of situation. Oh, not at all. He was Um, heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah, he really was. And it was his first main event. It was a short-notice opportunity. And, you know, as good as Edwards looked in that first round, man, did he look fast, did he look sharp, he looked aggressive. He looked big, he looked fast, he looked like a master of reach, he looked like someone who could do everything and his wrestling looked tremendous against a, a quite good wrestler i'll tell you what leon leon edwards looked like in that fight he looked like a problem for everybody at 170 i thought he he looked i thought kidding, he looked man. like a he just looked like a serious contender yeah the fact that he can just turn it on like that right we haven't really seen him put it on somebody the way that he did in this matchup like it's good to see that he's willing to do it at some points. Maybe it was the year and a half away that just made him come out swinging. But again, not in a sloppy way. But it was really good to see him actually, actually trying to win a fight rather than waiting for the perfect opportunity to he take was advantage very aggressive. Or, or or what have you. Yeah, I mean the argument could be made that Bilal Muhammad is a bit of a lower level fighter than Edwards is used to fighting. Um, but I, I don't know if you really look at his record, he hasn't been, hasn't been beating the top of the top. Has he? He's been beating some decent prospects who are on win streaks like Bilal I mean, Muhammad. Gunnar Nelson, Peter, I mean, you, you know, two, wait, who, who's, if I'm looking, yeah, if I'm looking at, you know, two, 
two years ago, well, three years ago, he was fighting Peter Sabata. Like, you know, I, I yeah. you know, I think that I think that he would that Bilal Muhammad would give Donald Cerrone a run and Vinny Barbarina. Like, I just think I think Leon Edwards looked like he's been working very hard. I mean, the striking was was pinpoint and very sharp. His jab looked great. But that body lock takedown was like, yo, you're an English kickboxer and you do that. That's where I was just like, I, you know, I have a hard time. Uh, I have a hard time seeing uh, anyone outside of, you know, of Covington and Usman um, be, you know, beating him. Covington, I'm not so sure, but. Right, right, right. That's what I was going to say. Based on what I saw in this matchup, at least for the five or so minutes of it, and his last couple of fights, including against RDA, like that man, Leon Edwards, he can turn on his wrestling and take down seemingly anybody that doesn't have a serious wrestling pedigree. And at this point, like he has no real reason to fear Covington's strikes. So I feel like he'd be fairly comfortable on the feet. I know how he performed at least in the first five minutes here, but here's what we have to consider, right? Oh, Leonardo. God, I'd love to watch. that. Yeah. Oh, that would be fantastic. I would love for that to be the next matchup. Cause I don't think, uh, well, you know what? We're going to talk about whether or not there should be a rematch because Edwards would make the argument there shouldn't. But I think that the, the thing about Edwards is that he really does look excellent everywhere. Like fairly high level. He's not super dangerous standing where he can just touch you a couple of times and drop you right but he's so technical and if he's willing to be this aggressive which I'm not sure what attributed to him being willing to be this aggressive against Bilal Muhammad but we have to factor in the fact that Edwards is never this aggressive and I wonder if he had the gas tank to keep going like this for five rounds because I think Muhammad is likely tough enough to have kept taking that for a couple of rounds and then potentially taking over in the latter half of the fight if he needed to. I'm not saying that Muhammad was likely to win given what we saw in those five minutes, but there is a chance. We've seen this happen before, right? We saw that for the first five minutes of their fight, Aljamain Sterling looked pretty good against Piotr Jan, and if Piotr Jan hadn't landed that bomb late in the first round, Sterling would have clearly won that I first round. I think there's a big difference. I think there's okay a big difference there. As well. I think there's a big difference in that Aljamain Sterling was like trying a lot of shit, <laughs> but it wasn't it. But it wasn't like insanely effective. Like P- uh, Pitcher Jan never lost his composure. He never lost. Con- he never lost control of the situation. Um, he was able no, to I maintain. Agree. it. Whereas, I mean, it well, like... where, but where, whereas Leon Edwards dic- was dictating every was dictating that fight by virtue of his power. By virtue of his strength, by virtue of his range, he just—he just looked like a bigger, faster, stronger fighter. Like I, I, he, you're m- comparing Leon to Piotr, but I was making a different comparison. Oh. I was comparing Leon potentially to Sterling. Right? right like, no. Oh, like oh, yeah. my <laughs> point was that just because a guy is dominating, uh, just because a guy is doing well early, doesn't mean that he's go- He can continue that for five rounds. It w- was my only point, especially when you're fighting a pressure fighter who might be not as fast as you but you know he's going to still be there 20 minutes into the fight. You know he's still going to be pushing the pace. And that's Bilal Muhammad. And so I wonder, Leon Edwards has never shown signs of having a bad gas tank, but he's never thrown this kind of output either, right? He's really managed his output in the past, his energy. And I wonder whether he could have kept going like this because if Leon Edwards can fight like this for five rounds, then he has a a decent shot even against Usman, in my opinion. Like, he looked really, really sharp early early on in that fight. But again, we have to consider that Muhammad doesn't have much power he doesn't have excellent wrestling even though he's pretty good on the feet he was the smaller man here so there were aspects to this matchup that would lead you to believe that Edwards was gonna do well at least early 
especially since, you know, Bilal doesn't always start dominating right as the fight starts. He kind of takes over slowly over the course of that 15 minutes that he's used to competing in. This being 25 obviously still leaves a lot of question marks. And then afterward, Edwards talked about how he doesn't want to fight Muhammad again, how he'd rather just move on to a title shot. I don't think there's a good chance that he's getting a title shot from this weird situation, especially not having fought a year and a half leading up to it. Correct. But the question is, like, the only reason Bilal Muhammad was facing Leon Edwards, Leon was on the track to a title shot, was because he was willing to step up on short notice, right, to give Leon a fight. Does it make sense for Leon now to dedicate the next several months to training for a guy that's significantly lower ranked than him? Like, I kind of see where Leon is coming I com- from. I completely do. From Bilal's perspective, that's frustrating. Well, I mean, the other thing is, listen, if it is it is frustrating, and Bilal Muhammad should get another chance against a contender to prove himself. But the fact of the matter is this. Nothing that happened before the eye poke made me feel like I needed to see it run back. If Bilal, if, if the first round had been competitive, if Bilal Muhammad had cracked him a couple of times or got a takedown, and it was like, all right, we're in a fight here. Like, then it'd be like, I got to see that again. But what we saw was, you know, it was a, it was a pretty dominant first round. Um, so really I was. don't... I don't think anyone necessarily feels, and I can understand Edwards after a year and a half off not wanting not wanting to waste time. He's certainly not going to be running from a guy, but what he's doing is is he's running from losing time on his path. Like the fight to make uh, the story out of that was Leon Edwards was dominant, and then there was an eye poke. It's not we were robbed of this fight. So I th- I think like if he's you know if he's going to fight Covington or something for a shot at Usman, like that, that makes sense to me. I, I would rather see, um, let me look at the rankings and see, see who I would match. Um, I would match Bilal Muhammad up against, you know, cause I, you do want to, you, you do want to give him, uh, you want to give him a, a good fight. I'm just pulling up our usual, uh, I can see maybe a, a Robbie Lawler matchup. Eh. Um, if you want to put him to the fire, I guess, against another up-and-comer who, you know, quite frankly, probably has a higher ceiling, maybe Sean Brady. Li Jingliang is always like a great gatekeeper for that top well, 10. Well, call- he had called him out uh, previously, if you remember, after, right. after Bilal Muhammad right. beat Lima. Um, you know, uh, you know, Michael, K- uh, Michael Case is probably up too high, but that's, a, I mean, you know, that's an interesting fight. I don't think he, I don't think he has anything booked right now. Um, the winner of of I think he's I think Muhammad already lost to Luke, but the winner of Luke, uh, Tyron Woodley, which so so essentially Luke, um, <laughs> that's you know that's an interesting fight. I, I would say more likely the loser of Woodley Luke is probably the matchup for Bilal, especially yeah. given how the first five minutes didn't look too good for him. And that's the thing, right? In a lot of fans' minds, like it's as good as Bilal Muhammad having lost that fight. And I think a lot of fans have the same sure. kind of view of that Sterling uh, Yan matchup as well. And speaking of Sterling Yan, speaking of no contests and disqualifications, we had another errant knee, uh, another uh, you know arguably unintentional knee to the head in this one when Eric Anders, who was looking really good against Darren Stewart for about four and a half minutes, ended up landing his right knee as Stewart was down. Stewart, in my opinion, like I'm more confident in saying that Stewart played it up a little bit. He basically partially blocked that knee and wasn't doing well at all leading up to that break. And then like when the, when the doctor was asking him if he wants to fight, 
the facial expression on him was not like, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I want to fight. It was, uh, yeah. And then well, he would like, I don't stumble think he knew where the hell he was. Intentionally. But the thing with that is, you think I so? think he was getting such uh, an ass. He was, he took a lot of damage. So did the knee make ever, anything worse? No, but I think, I, I think he was, saying. I think I he was, I think it was going to be one of those things where at the end of the round, which was coming up, he would have gotten up and ha- and need to be told where his corner was. Like, I think he just took a fucking ass kicking in that. In, after you know, he did well at the beginning of the round. He bloodied up Anders, and then I don't know if he he like Anders was more. Uh, he was certainly aggressive, but he's always pretty aggressive. He was maybe a little bit faster. I just think I think Stewart got surprised by his power, and Anders was able to maintain his composure and land uh, land follow up shots and not let Stu- not let Stewart off the hook. Whether or not Anders is going to keep that pace, highly unlikely. But but he was doing what no one really predicted and dominated most of the round. Uh, you know, based on uh, really just based on his power and accuracy, until his accuracy got him in trouble. Yeah, we, we saw a, a similar situation play out between Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier a few years yes. ago where I believe it was, was it, was it Poirier that, that was like not in a good position and Alvarez landed the knee and then they had a rematch and it actually went the other way even though uh, I think in the first matchup uh, it was, I thought I thought it was Alvarez that was in control. Poirier ended up beating him pretty, pretty clearly in the second fight. So yeah, you're right. This fight could still go either way. But I will say one thing and this is something that had me doubting my pick in Stewart, doubting my confidence in Stewart leading into this matchup. Eric Anders, uh, for the first time in his career, he made a big move, right? He needed to change something. He clearly wasn't showing up in shape. He wasn't showing up very fast. He wasn't improving his, in his technique. And he joined Fight Ready MMA, the same team that Henry Cejudo trains under. And man, did he look incredibly in shape. I've never seen him look that ripped before, right? Yeah. So that alludes to the fact that he probably showed up in really solid uh, conditioning for this one, that he trained really hard for this one, which judging by the way that he looked in this matchup makes you think like he probably hasn't been training all that hard, probably hasn't been focusing on MMA as much as he should have being a, you know, a, a UFC fighter. And I hope that this makes all the difference for him because a lot of that potential that people saw in him after his first two UFC fights, like yeah, before they gave him Machida, he looked like he may have been able to realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He, I mean, look, I, he arguably beat Machida, man. Yeah, he did, which is not the it same. Was a, it was as, a you close know, fight beating Machida way back when, but still, yeah, he looked he looked good. I'm exce- like, yeah, it was his fight ended weird, but um, I'm now I'm now all of a sudden interested to see Eric Anders fight again. Yeah, me too. Which is a which is a, a nice switch up. Uh, outside of that, we had Ryan Spann, Misha Serkinov. We basically knew that if Misha Serkinov could take it to the ground, he could probably get a submission. If Ryan Spann can land a clean shot, he can probably get a knockout. And he landed a clean shot within a minute and finished that at one eleven of the first round. Any thoughts on that one? You know, I mean, it was one of those things. Serkinov pulled a little bit of a. Uh, and you feel for the guy because they they did the whole story uh, before he was getting back to fighting. His wife was in remission from breast cancer, um, and it just was one of those things where after he after he got touched, he kind of junior dos Santos, um, and I just you know I guess you know Span does have a lot of power, but Serkinov just looked done after the first shot, um, and the subsequent shots were academic. 
Right. It seems like once a fight starts going against Surkinov, it doesn't seem like he's going to fight through a, a tough moment at this point. I think like that's that's kind of something that we can expect from him. If he can get that top position, though, man, he can do well. Yeah. Right. Like if he's in the grappling realm, he can come back from that as long as you don't hurt him too bad. But I think his bad chin combined with, you know, what seems like possibly a lack of heart is what hurt him in this one. And Ryan Spann, man, let's face it, he's a serious power. I think he dropped Johnny Walker twice before uh, Johnny Walker was able to knock him out because he made a bad decision. And, you know, in, in this situation, like, you, you got to consider, like, serious power on Ryan Span. He came in, by the way, uh, in the weigh-in looking... Well, he also hit Sam He hit Sam Alvey about 100 times and didn't take out Sam Alvey, though. That's true, and Sam Alvey can get nicked. That's a fair point. But, man, in his last two fights, he's got he's got two or three knockdowns in, like, a total of three or four he's minutes. He's got power. It's a, let's face it, like, 205, you know, post-John... The John Jones cleaning is still... It's still an emerging division. Like after you get out of the top seven or eight, like I think Span might even be six now, which is a little crazy. Like it's not a very deep division. I think Serkinov will probably hang around. No, it never has been really. I think there's still uh, there's still fights there for him. I mean, it had a moment. I mean, the ba- the Bader the Bader Phil Davis. You know, when you had Hendo in there, you had the 205 for uh, for kind of uh, pre pre John Jones. Uh, and, and during John Jones was was pretty stacked with talent. A lot of it was older. You know, it was a lot of guys. Well, I, I will say at this point, we have a bunch of serious prospects at 205. It's just a matter of them kind of slowly inching their way up and fighting guys like Anthony Smith and uh, and and the Vulcan Ozdemirs, the Nikita Krylovs, right? We have Jamal Hill, uh, Jimmy Crute. We have, uh, you know, Ryan Spann, arguably at number 11, by the way, uh, is his current ranking. Magomed Ankalaev. Jury Prashaska, we have some serious prospects in this one. Yeah, they are they are interesting, and and I would argue that Jan Blackowitz is a clear cut light heavyweight champion. I would pick him at this point against John Jones. I, I I don't really see like John Jones having the advantages that that he's had over guys like Santos who seriously injured himself, and he clearly is not that high level of a fighter, right? Like John Jones has been struggling with these mid middling kind of middleweight middleweights, whereas Jan Blackowitz is like kind of beating people up, including the best guy at 185 in Israel at Asanya. So uh, at this point, I would pick Jan Blackwoods. I actually think the division has a new life. It's just Ryan Spann is a very faulty guy who probably won't make it into top five territory, and I hope he won't because that'll show that the rest of the division is still uh, working as it should. Man, Dan Ige, Nick, just one exchange, one right counter, hand, uh, one counter right hand on Gavin Tucker. Gavin Tucker has been knocked down a few times in his UFC career for the first time, just got completely smoked, blown out of the water, even though he was probably the more technical guy. Uh, and I expected Ige to have the grit advantage. Man, was I surprised to have him just blow him out of the water like that. Yeah. I mean, very unexpected. We haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen that for, from Ige. Like sometimes, sometimes it just happens. Yeah, he got caught. Tucker did. If I remember that punch, that punch looked and felt a lot like it wasn't Tucker throwing at the same time. Yeah, they were literally exchanging. Was that the one that? Yeah, it felt it felt like it felt like con, like the Condit Hardy KO to me. Yeah, I can um, I can see that comparison. I think that's fair. Uh, and then we had David Grantman, who I've underestimated. I spoke last week cow. about how yeah, 
I spoke last week about how like I've underestimated this guy in his last couple of fights against Popov, against Martin Day, and he came through in both those fights and showed much better striking than we remember him for. He's generally considered a grappler, right? That's what he came into the Ultimate Fighter with. That's what he had success in the Ultimate Fighter with. But man, he came in here and just clocked Jonathan Martinez. It seemed like the moment David Grant decided to turn it on and actually put it on Jonathan, man, that's all it took. The guy's got power. That's two knockouts in a row for a grappler. Well, he well Martinez looked great in the first round and and landed a knockdown of his own, like a real solid knockdown. And I thought I thought Martinez was going to cruise. Yeah. And something happened in in, in round two. Um, Davy found you know Davy found his rhythm. Uh, he was he was lighting him up, and then he just drilled him with that straight shot, and uh, like put Martinez, you know, on his ass, which I didn't, I just did not expect. I thought I look, I think of Martinez as a pretty durable fighter. Um, so yeah, yeah, he's, he's been a, on stanky legs before, but I don't remember seeing him get dropped like this. Yeah, I agree with you there. And no, he's never and- lost. He's never lost by knockout. Um, all, all three of these last fights that we're discussing, by the way, the Ryan Spann, Dan Ige, David Grant win, I picked against all three of these guys. And you could make the argument that the less technical guy won in each of those three matchups. Which is, you it, know, it just goes to show you the, the what power can do, especially when you're wearing these four-ounce gloves. And then we had uh, Mateus Nicolau, Manel Kopp, a very competitive decision. Could have gone either way. You and I agree that Nicolau's overall kind of uh, his, his varied uh, attack, right? His his tool set is more varied, and that's what would probably give him the edge. But I was concerned about Kopp's speed advantage and the fact that he has really heavy hands. Nicolau's been knocked down a couple times, and all of that played out, right? The first and third round, we saw uh, Nicolau's overall varied attack win through. But in that second round, Kopp hurt him early and then stayed on him, stayed aggressive, and was able to pick up that second round pretty clearly, even though Nicolau kind of eked out that third round. Uh, pretty, pretty good uh, overall fight, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like some people were calling controversy a robbery on this one uh, for Cop gave Cop three. I had given Cop the third, um, and then Nicolau came out and uh, against Cormier. Cormier's Cormier's catching a lot of flack lately for his commentary. Uh, the whole commentary team is, um, but Nicolau specifically because I guess Cop trains uh, trains with ATT. Is that true? Or, or with, or with, or... uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, with AK, he's affiliated with a lot of those guys. I spoke last week about how there are pictures of him with them. I'm sorry. I meant, yep. I meant AKA not. Yeah. I meant AKA. Um, so yeah, we talked about, we talked about Andrew Stewart. Um, there's not that much to say except that like Ashley Yoder had kind of had no business in the octagon with Angela Hill. She's not, she's a great, she's a, a kind of a, She's, I don't know, I guess that's, you know, her just seems like, a, like an athlete or something. She's kind of, she's kind of medium everywhere and not really athletic at all. And yeah, like she's yeah, slow she just, and She did not, it was like watching Angela Hill fight someone in a video game on easy mode. She just essentially yeah. did whatever she wanted. And you know what? I'm so glad to see Angela Hill come out with a decisive win over somebody that she had a more competitive fight with last time around. It just shows you that she really has leveled up. Yeah, but look, I mean, she took Gadea to the brink, maybe deserved that decision. She took yeah. Watterson to the brink, maybe deserved that decision. Like, Angela Hill is is elite at 115. She's, you know, I think I think it's I think it's maybe top five, definitely top eight. Like, she's definitely top she's, eight quality. You know, she's she's the real deal. Um, Who are we gonna uh, Char- match her up with next, Nick? Any ideas for Angela Hill? Oh gosh, well she's fought. I mean, I feel like she's fought almost everybody. Let me. Uh, why do I keep closing the ranking page? What a maroon How about, uh, I'll make a suggestion. Uh, Tisha Torres said that she doesn't want to fight Angela Hill. I want to see that matchup. 
I would also not mind seeing Amanda Hibas. I think that that star matchup could make for an exciting fight, especially with Hibas, who's ranked above Angela. She is coming off a loss, but she's still ranked she above. She is coming her. off a loss. I think Angela Hill wins. I see. I I think she wins both of those fights. Um, I feel. I in, I kind of want to put her in. Um, I feel like she's fought almost everybody else in the top. Uh, in the top. What is it? Eight outside of outside of those ladies. She yeah, has. A, I'd like to see jo- her Joanna get another yet. shot at Yan Janan, uh, but she's fighting Carlos Esparza. Uh, maybe the winner, uh, the winner or the loser of that fight, I would be happy to see her face in a rematch. What you know? There's a fighter that hasn't fought in about uh, in over in over a year or about, Nina about Ansaroff? a year. Nope. Who's that? Joanna Joanna Janjakic. Oh, I'd be and into I look that. At An- I look at I look at Angie's style, and I look at Joanna Champion coming back after a year, and I'm like, that's a friggin' war because the one thing that Angie's had a lot of problems with, Joanna's not gonna do. That's gonna True. that would be, a that would be a five round fucking crazy fight, and she's not gonna get you know, she's a I believe that Angie's a better striker, and a better kickboxer than Michelle Waterson is. Although Waterson's by a small margin, well, if, well, if even, is, it, well, I think Waterson's the more well-rounded mixed martial artist. But I think I think Angie's kickboxing uh, is better. Um, so I don't I don't th- you know Joanna kind of went through Michelle Waterson uh, pretty you know pretty easily. I think Angie could give her a real run. Uh, yeah, that would be very interesting. It would be a big step up though for Angie. It would maybe maybe fight Tisha Torres first. I mean, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. And then uh, I'm quickly going to run through these last few bouts. Charles Jordan worked through some tough moments in that first round, uh, started taking over in the second round, and just overwhelmed Rojo. Oh, wait, sorry. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Did you say you wanted to see her against Amanda Limos or Amanda Hibas? Hibas. Okay, because okay, they're both they're ranked very close to one another, Limos and Hibas. Oh, I would not mind a Limos matchup either, especially where where after Limos perform uh, Limos's performance last week, I, I I mentioned last week how I would like to see this matchup happen. So yeah, I'd be interested in that as well. Um, and then we have Charles Jordan, man, Marcelo Rojo. First of all, looked so technical, so clean early on. Charles Jordan he just gritted out that win, just pushed the pace, overwhelmed the short great notice fight. replacement. Man, phenomenal fight! It was insanity, Nick. When that fight finished, I texted you like something like, "Wow, that was insane! It was absolutely unbelievable." Um, any thoughts on that one before we run through the rest of these fights? I just loved it. I would have loved to see Rojo get to the fi- get to the finish uh, or get to I the know. bell. Yeah. Um, I mean, tough guy. It was just like both of these guys were fighting like they were fighting for their careers, and but they're and both of their. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, he's sixteen and seven, but Marcelo Rojo, the Argentinian fighter, stock went up from this fight. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll so. get. I'm sure he'll get a good. Um, I think he'll get you know, a, a really good matchup at 145. Nick, the man has uh, four submission wins. They're going to give him a submission grappler next, like Hani Yaya or something. I don't know if they're in the same way. Yeah, Hani Yaya at 135 or 125? No. Yeah, that's probably who they're going to give him next, Nick. Like, that's just the way the UFC does with some of these guys, even though Rojo, I think, standing is so technical, so interesting, so fun to watch. Um and yeah, speaking of Haniaya, he, you know, basically ran through Ray Rodriguez like we give or take expected. Nazar Hakpras had to work for it, but he got a pretty clear decision win over Hafa Garcia. Re- yeah, he did, but that was no that was no walk in the park for the biggest favorite on there. Like I agree. Garcia opponent, made a good opponent, accounting of Garcia himself. Came, he, 
he came to he came to fight. He fought with confidence, and he real you know who knows what he'll do in his next bout. But like I'm sure he earned everyone's respect. Yeah, no doubt. And then Courtney Casey, I know you're not you're saying it's not a robbery. Like if a robbery is only when one fighter completely demolishes the other person and then gets screwed on a decision, like I hear you, but th- th- to me this is robbery territory to me personally. Based on the I mean, based on the scoring, based on the way fights are scored, I could I could see you got to squint a little bit, but I could see a case <laughs> for Aldridge taking you know, taking two rounds. Casey looked better. She also made a lot of mistakes. I think just giving up takedowns were her mistakes, which uh, which she gave up. She ate a lot. I mean, she ate a lot of shots too. She got in bad. Posi- she got in bad positions by overcommitting, and ate. And she didn't eat as many strikes, but she ate some big shots. Um, so just real quick, total for- strikes in the first round: fifty-one for Courtney Casey, eighteen for JJ Aldridge. Uh, total strikes in the second round: forty-three for Courtney Casey. 15 for Aldridge. To be fair, J.J. Aldridge did control top position for three minutes of that round. That one she clearly won, in my opinion. And then we have round three, 27 to 25 for uh, in favor of Casey. I hear that that is close, but man, it just seemed like Casey was smashing her with the right hand repeatedly, like clean, hard right hand. I actually thought that Aldridge's shot, she was, I thought that Casey responded more to Aldridge's shots than Aldridge did to her shots. I think if we but like I, this might be a, a round worth rewatching just because like I, I think a lot of a lot of people don't realize how hard and clean some of these punches land and those right hands from Casey man they were just super clean JJ Aldridge was yeah I'll give it it's, I'm, it's not something I feel confident yeah, about I hear that. like I'm glad I'm glad I picked Aldridge and got the pick but I didn't know if I would call it like is it a controversial decision yes is it is it a bad decision maybe. Is it is it flat out rob? Is it I like hear that. A, a miscarriage of justice? Like I don't know. I, yeah. I see what you're saying. It's a it's a fair argument to make. I wasn't. Let's put it this way. I wasn't sure when they read. Who I I knew that it was going to be close and probably a split. Yeah, Courtney Casey somehow always fights to a to a to a super 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 tight decision, and it never seems to go her way when it could go either way. Man, that that just stinks for her. Uh, and then we have Jin Yu Frey, who I talked about how Gloria DePaula, who was the favorite here, I talked about how she was kind of ragdolled early in her contender series bout. And all that Jin Yu Frey has to do to win this fight is just go for takedowns from the start of the fight. And that's exactly what she did. Uh, after she got a couple of takedowns, she was able to do better on the feet as she was getting a little bit more aggressive than usual, which is great to see improvement on her side against, you know, a pretty raw prospect who has some potential. And then Matt Semmelsberger, just shut Jason Witt's lights off with a counter right hand to Jason Witt's calf yep. kick. Ridiculous power on that guy. We both ended up siding with Witt because Sam Ellsberger doesn't have the greatest takedown defense historically, but that didn't even matter because all it took was 16 seconds for him to win this fight. Yeah, that was uh, that's how you start a card. No freaking joke. Anyway, it was uh, it was an event. It happened. <laughs> the main event left every main event left everybody feeling meh. Yeah, a couple of no contests doesn't help, but I will say there were some three or four huge, huge knockouts. There were. Uh, so, some exciting fights. I'd say overall a good card. It's just that main event ending the way that it did obviously didn't help anyone. I'm hoping Bilal gets uh, either that rematch It or- did, but it made, me a, it made me feel like Leon Edwards is a live dog in this uh, in you know, in, in this division. And I, and there's no, and there's no one above him. I don't want, you know, I, there's no one above him. I don't want to see him fight. Uh, I agree. I will say this quickly. Leon Edwards wins the first round of almost every fight that he fights in. He usually loses the second round. 
And if he did lose that second round, I do wonder, like, that momentum, how far it could carry for Muhammad, if he did. I'm not saying he would. It's just, it's one round. It, I, it is, yeah. I think it's so silly of us as as MMA pundits who've been watching the sport for years, knowing that comebacks happen every goddamn time. You can have one fighter dominate one round, get dominated the next round, and then come back in the third round. Like, all the, all the sways that can happen in a fight, like, we didn't really get to see any of that play out in this one. And listen, maybe Edwards would have finished him in the second round, but it, it you know, it's, it's still inconclusive. Yeah, I guess it's just like, we saw how easy he got a takedown. We saw, like, what looked like a size and reach advantage um, and a power advantage. Like I just have trouble under knowing what Bilal Muhammad's strengths are. I just have trouble figuring out how he how he was going to get it done, unless Edwards gassed. But yeah, I just again, I'm not. I don't think anyone's. I don't think anyone's like, man, they got to run it back. No, we don't. We don't know what was going to happen. Anything could happen. Um, but I'm I'm also I'm not, I'm, I also don't feel like I need to see the end of that story. I'm more interested in seeing Edwards fight Covington or Usman. Yeah, I, w- I would love to see him fight Covington next. That would be my best case. I don't think Covington wants to fight him, to be honest with you, but that's the fight that I would prefer if I had Covington doesn't want to fight anybody. I know. Let's take a break, come back, and break down the upcoming UFC fight night headlined by Derek Brunson and Kevin Holland. Welcome back to the MMA Geek C-Level Podcast, and we're going to get into our draft picks. I am currently leading by, is it two and a half points, Nick? Two and a half points, correct? Yep. Yep, and so the way that it works is we each take turns picking fighters that are competing on the upcoming UFC card. At the end of Saturday night, whichever of us has more points, we kind of tally up the points and we add them to our total. Currently, I'm just uh, two and a half points ahead of Nick because Nick picked a couple of clutch underdogs. I'm actually uh, I'm actually probably three or four fights ahead of you, but you picked some great underdogs, which should uh, understandably give you more credit. Uh, you have the first pick this week, buddy. Go for it. I am going to take, and you may think I'm crazy here. I know you. Um, or this might be your first pick. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to pick the uh, the youngster Macy Chase on um, to defeat Marion Renault. Um, we've got a, you know, it's well, we've got a twenty, uh, the twenty nine year old Fortis MMA competitor who's only lost one fight uh, to Lena Landsberg, who's. Um, you know, pretty, pretty darn big, uh, and and experienced. I don't think she's as big just for the record. I don't think she's as big as Macy Chazon. I know she debuted at one forty five, but that's not her natural division at all. Well, she looked big in the fight against Macy Chazon, I guess. but, um, and she's taking, so she's taking on the 43 year old, uh, Marion Renault, who's, you know, pretty accomplished, but where she, you know, she beat Sarah McMahon, uh, three years ago. Uh, via triangle choke that's really her her signature win yep um aside aside although i guess shit she also triangle choked six years ago jessica andrade but i just i think that macy chazon's athleticism youth all of those things i just i don't think that renault's uh got the kind of has the game to do that at this at this point and i think you know, it was like two fights removed from uh, her loss. I think Chazon's going to be is going to be more disciplined, and I just see this as a kind of a gatekeeper changing of the guard uh, fight. And I expect Chazon to be able to to piece her up, land some good elbows, 
um, and stay out, stay uh, hopefully stay out of uh, dangerous positions. Yeah, I think Marion will have the edge and experience, technique, and speed in most places. Shazan will have the advantage in size, strength, and power, even though she is in phenomenal shape. Right now is 43 years old at this point, and I wonder what, like, at what point that will catch up to her. Shazan has had the prospect lost to Lena Landsberg, like you mentioned, which opens up, I think, the possibility of the same sort of thing happening here, her getting beat by the more crafty, more experienced fighter, even though, you know, that fighter might be not quite as strong on paper and not quite as uh, athletic. It's almost as if Chazon's power has diminished as she's added more tools into her game under Fortis MMA. Her pressure striking is coming along well, and she showed on Tough that her back takes are solid with dangerous rear naked chokes. I'm picking Chazon's youth, height, and strength advantage to be enough to best the 43-year-old Renau. I think she can land some serious clinch knees where she should be, I think, significantly stronger. She might even be able to take top position where she's dangerous despite Renau's submission acumen. But Renau is about the, on the same level, in my opinion, as, as Lena Landsberg in, in the UFC 135 division. So Chazon will need to have learned a lot in the last year to win this fight. Uh, it helps that she trains a Fortis, which is obviously a solid team. And uh, the team is just in the process of proving itself, just like Macy is. So I, I do agree with you, but this was I would, this was quite a bit lower on my list um, because of that risk there. My first pick is going to be Montel Jackson to beat Jesse Strader. Strader's like a super aggressive, like just pure offense fighter. Has some power in his hands, but he's been dropped a couple times. Um, but Montel will have the edge in every way. He's bigger, more technical, more experienced at a high level. Unless Montel just walks into a big shot, I, I expect him to be able to probably get a first-round TKO on this one. Uh, I had that same pick as well, so I'm with you there. Uh, my second pick, I'm going to go with uh, Cheyenne Bays, whose husband's actually fighting on the card. Uh, not right. the first time, as the De La Rosas have done that uh, before. But I think it's a good chance they both pick up wins. Um, Bayes is fighting uh, Montserrat Ruiz uh, from Tenth Planet Jiu Jitsu, and uh, she's come. You know, she's been fighting in Invicta, um, where she had a win last year against Janissa Morandin, but a loss uh, in 20, late twenty eighteen to Daniel Taylor. But Shane Bayes had a uh, an impressive victory on the Contender series. You get the sense that the UFC feels good about her from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Um, the warrior princess and all um also a fortis fighter so i think um i think that this is her i think she's just more rounded has really good um grappling and I, I look for her to uh win a pretty clear decision here uh i think it'll feel a lot like when uh like a tracy court i think like a tracy cortez victory base is capable everywhere Pretty aggressive with fast hands, especially on the counter. Solid clinch, good wrestling and grappling. Ruiz, though, is another southpaw fighting out of King's MMA. She's like pure aggression on the feet in order to set up her kind of decent takedowns. But then that leads to her suffocating submission game. She just like drags you down and just suffocates you, drowns you until she can finish you. I'm picking Baze because she has uh, had a full training camp here. She should be the bigger fighter with more technical striking. But if Ruiz gets top position, that's the other. Yeah, I forgot trouble. to mention the. I forgot to mention the training camp, right? Uh, um, situation. Uh, 
Right, so I'm putting some stock into the fact that Bays is married to a really good wrestler who's also a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. So she shouldn't see anything that she isn't used to when it comes to the grappling here. But uh, I think the odds are a little bit too wide here. The short notice contributes to it. I get that. But I do agree with you on the pick, and that was in my top uh, five picks. My next one is going to be in the Julia Avila versus Julia Storialenko matchup. I... Julia Storialenko. Julia Storialenko. You're right. That, that is actually how you say it in Russian. Um, Yulia's 9-4 and four, lost her UFC debut to Yana Kunitskaya after going on a five-fight winning streak on the regional circuit. Four of her wins are by armbar. As you can imagine, she's not against pulling guard a couple times around if she needs to. Fairly exciting, tough fighter, throws with power. Not the most strategic, though. And she because she throws so much effort into that first round, she slows down after the first round. Avila is 2-1 and one in the UFC after taking her first loss in a short-notice fight against... Jaira Eubanks. Avila's a gritty pressure striker, serious power, good takedown defense. She's kind of a hot prospect in the division. Obviously, she experienced that prospect loss to Eubanks, which I think she took on very short notice. Avila should be able to outstrike and outwrestle Julia here. The only real danger is Julia getting top I'm sorry, Yulia getting top position, but I'm picking Avila with confidence. Yeah, I'm actually I think this is a, a, a tricky one because Avila was not able to stick to the game plan against against Eubanks, and she kept trying to go muscle for muscle with her and lost. And Stoliarenko is qu- is quite strong and a judo expert. Um, I think this is really close to a pick 'em. I had it much further down. I think just to fuck with you, I'm going to pick uh, Stoliarenko. I feel. I like it, Nick. Uh, Avila just did not like in that Eubanks fight. She she, she I feel like she had the talent to f- to figure out a path. <laughs> And she and she wasn't able to do it, and she's fight and she's fighting. I think another another opponent who's probably going to be stronger than her. Um, so we'll we'll see. But I I'm not like super confident in it. But I'm going to go with Yulia, um, just because that Eubanks loss did not feel right. I don't know where Avila's head in, and that in that fight against Yana, like as Yana just showed in, in her last fight, like she's a beast. Like she's really strong. Um, I think one of the strongest in the division. So. I'm, I'm curious how this plays out. Yeah, I, I don't know that uh, Yulia has the cardio to really do that for three rounds, but I'm curious. I, I, I like the underdog picnic. You've been picking some good underdogs lately, so I'll be watching with open eyes. Well, well I don't get points it? for it because you got you got to it before me. Damn right. Um, uh, this is it's probably way too early for this pick, but what the hell. Um, I'm going to go... Oh. It's tough, but in a th- in a three round fight, I'm going to pick the wrestler Gregor Gillespie uh, to defeat the uh, the New Zealand striker Brad Riddell, uh, who's this who's the the striking co- or kickboxing coach at at City Kickboxing. If I'm if I'm correct, um, yeah. I love Brad, Brad Riddell. He's really fun, super super exciting fighter. Um, but if he doesn't, if he's unable to knock out Gregor Gillespie, and he's not as big as Kevin Lee is. Kevin Lee is a big, powerful. 155er. I think Gregor Gillespie probably should have been fighting at at featherweight. Um, Riddell, I don't think is like that massive of a lightweight. And although he's a great kickboxer, it's not it, you know his fights in the division so far. He's not you know leaving a sort of a trail of, of unconscious fighters. Um, and Gillespie was able to take shots from a much bigger guy like Yancy Madero, who used to fight, who fought if I'm if I'm correct at middleweight. I'm sorry, at welterweight. Yep. Um, in addition to lightweight. So I think Gillespie should be able um, 
to get to get in and get top position without taking fight ending damage, which would which would net him a decision. But it's in the in the wrestler grappler bouts, any anything could happen. I think it'll go that way. It's also possible that Gillespie eats a gigantic knee, uh, you know, on the way in and, and goes to sleep like so many wrestlers have in recent years. But I think what's most likely going to happen is we we discover again that Gregor Gillespie is an insanely elite wrestler. Yeah, he is a fantastic wrestler. The thing about Riddell is, like, as much as he's a really high-level kickboxer, he's got a lot of skills there, a lot of setups, serious power shots. He was taken down 11 times by, you know, more experienced grapplers in his last two fights. He still won those fights, right? Two decisions. But he was taken down 11 times between those two fights. And they were not, they were not Gregor Gillespie. Right. Well, well, that, well, that's the thing, right? He He is able to get up really well after a takedown. But Gillespie, like, once he takes a hold of you, he doesn't let go of you until it's the end of the round or until the referee pulls you off because of a submission, right? So he's just this hard-nosed wrestler coming off of a head kick knockout loss to Kevin Lee, but that was over 16 months ago, right? I like that Gillespie took a long break following a knockout loss. This is a classic striker versus grappler matchup, like you said. Gillespie may very well not have nearly as good of a chin now after that after that knockout loss, even though it's been a long break. But it's tough to pick Burdell since he got taken down so many times uh, in the last little while. And those guys, again, like you said, didn't even have the wrestling background of Gillespie. So I'm picking Gillespie to smother Brad and either keep him down or reshoot after Brad works his way up. Like he won't let go of him, right? As Brad kind of gets up against the fence, he'll just reshoot and take him back down. Gillespie is an expert at getting dominant positions against really capable fighters. So he's not the type of wrestler to stay in your guard and throw occasional shots. He's aggressively looking for the submission at just about all times. So look, it's it's risky. I think the odds should be quite a bit closer here. But given Gillespie's success leading up to his last fight, I, I, I'm there with you. I'm picking him. It's just, to me, this is closer to pick him than the odds would suggest. My next pick is going to be in the Adrian Yanez versus Gustavo Lopez matchup and in this one we got Lopez who wrestled in college but he's kind of rounded out his MMA game to become a dangerous striker and a submission artist he's one and one in the UFC with his loss being to Mirab Mirab Devashvili took that fight on super short notice uh throws calf kicks doesn't mind staying in the pocket for a brawl has pretty good get-up game once he's taken down a little too willing to dive in for a guillotine which kind of accounts for some of the times that he's been taken down. Yanez is a clean technical boxer with serious speed in his hands, won that first uh, UFC fight by head kick, which was super impressive. I like Yanez here because he is so sharp and technical. And because Lopez is too willing to stay in the pocket and exchange, Yanez, I think, has the kind of boxing and the kind of power that's really tough to stay in the pocket with. Um, Lopez was knocked out by Andre Ewell earlier in their kind of regional career. So I certainly see the potential for Yanez knockout here. I think a win here will entrench Yanez as a serious prospect. Um, in at I think it's 135. But Lopez is going is to be... Yeah. Uh, but Lopez is going to be in the UFC for a while since he's a fun, scrappy fighter who has skills just about everywhere. He has a better chance than most people give him credit for in this matchup. But again, I'm going with Yanez. Yeah, I love I love Yana's and uh, agree with everything uh, everything that you said. What was Yana's Yana's last fight was? Um, it was a head kick over a fellow UFC debuting guy who took it on short notice. Yeah, yeah, that was. He awesome. basically dominated until that head kick too. He kind of uh, either rocked him or dropped him a couple times leading up to that final knockout. So really impressive performance. And I remember thinking that his opponent's a really tough guy leading into that matchup. So really good stuff by Yana's. 
Um, next fight, this is a tough one to pick, but I'm going to go with it because the Georgians have been on fire. I'm going to go with Roland Dol... Uh, Dol- Crap. Dolids. <laughs> Dolids against, uh, tr- against Trevin Giles, uh, Officer Trevin Giles. Um, I-, I-, I like Trevin Giles. He's-, he's tough and he's effective. I just think that... I think uh, Dolids is... You know, I think he's one of those guys who at, at 185 is going to be is going to be trouble and find himself in the top, you know, in the top eight uh, pretty quickly. Um, he's got he's well rounded. He's got insane power. He's got grit. Um, he he throws bombs that people have trouble, uh, you know, taking. He's uh, he's got two you know two big finishes in his last three fights. Um, I mean, definitely a, a, I guess you could say a step up um in competition with uh with trevin giles i just yeah. uh i think he, i just think he's got a much higher upside and i you know i just think he, i think i think giles get i think giles is gonna get caught is what i think is gonna happen so this is a pick em fight i think on the odds although the leads may be a, a favorite and to me this is like totally a coin flip i think Giles has the edge on the feet, even though Delides hits hard and is capable there. But Delides will have the option of getting takedowns where he should do well from top position. He's an ADD, ADDC Asia grappling champion, even though he like hasn't really used a lot of those skills until his last fight. For that reason, I'm giving the lead the um, giving Delides the very very slight edge here. So I'm in agreement with you. But again, this was way down on my list. My next pick is going to be. Well, hang on one second. These guys are fi- these guys fighting at middleweight or light heavyweight. I believe middleweight. The leads is actually uh, cutting down for the first time. To middleweight? Uh, yeah. Okay. F- from light heavy. So he should that be the bigger well, man. That, that's, and, yeah, uh-huh. I figure he'll be the bigger man, but that's that's definitely interesting. I think Giles has fought. Isn't Giles fought at uh, he fought may at 205 have, also? I think he may have had one fight there. Um, I don't recall the details of it, but it does sound, does sound kind of familiar. He did fight 170-pound uh, um, James Krause uh, a little while ago. Krause took the fight on short notice, and that was fairly competitive. Let me see if... Um... Yes, it was. Yeah, he fought he fought light heavyweight against um, yeah James Buk- uh, Buknovic. He also fought Ryan Spann and won and won that. So I'm sure that was a light heavyweight fight because I can't see Ryan Spann making middleweight. No, I. You know what? I guess he used to be. Oh no, that was that middleweight. Fascinating. Ryan Spann, who looks pretty soft at light heavyweight, huh. turns out he used to be a middleweight. I didn't know that actually. He was a six five. He was a six five middleweight. That's cool. yeah. Six. I think he might be six six. He's a freaking giant. It's insane. I mean, I, six yeah, five. You're Izzy's right. six. Izzy's six four, and he's lean as hell. Like yeah, you, it's hard. Yeah, yeah it's very hard for me to picture. It it seems to me like if you put Izzy next to him, like he he would look quite a bit bigger. But I could be wrong. Honestly, it might just be the two hundred five thing. Um. So next up, Nikolai, I am going to take in the Grant Dawson Leonardo Santos matchup. This is actually one that I'm looking forward to, uh, for several reasons. We have Grant Dawson who like from every perspective, looks like a serious prospect, right? 16-1 and overall, 4-0 in the UFC, trains at Glory MMA with James Krause and the crew there, wins over guys like Mike Trezano, Julian Arosa, Derek Minner, and Nad Armani. These are all fairly successful UFC fighters. He's a pressure grappler, excellent chokes, grabs and never lets you go once he gets a hold of you. He's got cardio for days and does have some power in his hands, even though he's still kind of working on his striking Um 
and kind of developing that part of his game. Leonardo Santos is a stalwart at Nuvo Anhao in Brazil, close training partner of Jose Aldo. At age 41, he's undefeated in the UFC, dating back to his promotional debut in 2013, but he's only competed eight times in that eight-plus year span. He has finished the likes of Anthony Rocco Martin, Kevin Lee, and Stevie Ray. Uh, has a BJJ black belt, but largely a kickboxer in his UFC career. I think Grant Dawson works through some kinks in the first round before his pressure starts to wear on Santos. Once Santos is tired, it's Grant's fight. I think he should be able to finish with ground and pound late in this one. And I think actually the odds are a little bit closer than they should be. So I'd recommend throwing Grant Dawson in a parlay or two. I think you're, I think you're probably right. Um, I mean, the thing to remember about, let me go to this card. Uh, sorry, I'm bouncing around topology. We need a bouncing around topology so- uh, song. Do you think we can get one of those? I think you're going to have to hum it, and then I will like cut that and, and play it every time you're bouncing, bouncing around topology. Okay. Well, what I was going to say was, if I recall, <laughs> uh, Roman ba- uh, Bogatov, who fought Santos and like didn't he foul the crap out of him like multiple times and lost a couple of points in there if I remember correctly like Santos was getting pieced up outside of the fouls um, well late in the fight Santos was pretty tired he was dominating early and then got exhausted and maybe the fouls were a factor there I'm not sure yeah so I could see I I could see Santos uh taking a bunch of damage here I yeah, I, I I'm I'm close to a pick him here just because of how crafty I think Santos is. Um, this hat, yeah, he just seems like a spoiler kind of fighter. But I I worry about like just how he looked in that last in that last fight. All the the damage he took combined with the fouls, combined with the exhaustion, he did not look like a world beater. Um, no, so I wonder stick, how seriously I'll, I'll, he took that opponent. Um, but but you're right. I mean, it, it wasn't a good second half of the fight for him. No. Um, so uh, my next pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the main event, and I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Derek Brunson over Kevin Holland. Damn it, Nick! Um, I was hoping to make Br- that pick. Is Brunson the underdog? Brunson is the underdog. Uh, I think he's yeah, right plus around one fifty though. Yeah, uh, he's the, not the, enough that... to get me. The... No, that meets our threshold. Oh, it does well. He's yep. he's plus one fifty on five dimes, but he's plus one thirty five elsewhere. So we'll see where it nets out. Ah, uh, I see. Fight I see. Night. Fair enough. Um, so you know, and he played. You know, Brunson already played spoiler. Played spoiler in his most recent fight back seven months ago against Edmund Shabazian. Um, he's looked really good his last three. You know, his last three or four fights. He's he's strong. He's a good grappler. He's got really good power. And he finally seems like he got the composure and the discipline and the confidence that he was lacking early in his career when he was fighting elite people. I think that Kevin Holland's a beatable guy. I think that um, I think Brunson's got the power uh, to stop him, and I have trouble seeing Kevin Holland get and keep Derek Brunson in any um, in any position where that's going to be uh, very advantageous for Holland. I think Holland's good. He's exciting. He's dynamic. I don't think he has anything that Derek Brunson hasn't dealt with um, before. And while that Jacare knockout was exciting, I think it says more about where Jacare Souza is at his point in his career. And yes, five wins during COVID, I get it. I don't think any of them were against very elite competition, um, except for the except for t- tired and old Jacare. Uh, and I just I 
I think that Brunson's uh, is a, is a stronger, uh, more well-rounded fighter, and he probably is um, a smarter and more strategic one. Kevin Holland can be really creative, but he makes he does make mistakes, and he can and he, he's ended up in plenty of fights uh, in not great positions. And he's, with his athleticism and explosiveness, he's gotten himself out of trouble. I don't think Derek Brunson is necessarily going to let him get away, and Brunson hits really goddamn hard. He does. So they both do. Could could the, could could this go? I think Brunson hits. I think Brunson has the power advantage. Um, could uh, you know? Could like will I be surprised if Holland wins? No, but I'd like to see Derek Brunson uh, protect uh, and keep his kind of uh, hold. You know, protect his position essentially. Like I don't think he's a. I don't think he's a gatekeeper. I think he's shown um, in the last you know two years. Um, that he's moving, that he's moving out of that place and towards towards more elite status. Yep. And we're gonna we're gonna find out the truth about Kevin Holland in this fight, I think. And uh, my guess is that Derek Brunson puts him in his place. Yeah. And I'm not just saying that because Holland said stupid shit about Hamza Shemaev. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did get very sensitive about that in particular. Uh, yeah. So like again, we all know Brunson, perennial top ten guy, reinvigorated his career training at Sanford MMA lately, like you said. His only losses are to Adesanya, Whitaker, Anderson Silva, Yal Romero, and Jacare. Right? These are the elite of the elite in the in this division. Can I ju- can I jump in with something real please. quick? Mm-hmm. He was winning the shit out of the Anderson Silva fight, and he yeah, got his head and fucked up. And, and yeah, I think he won that. I mean, yeah, I think he won that fight. And he was he was beating Yoel Romero back in the day. That's I mean, right. other 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 people have been beating Yoel Romero, but Derek Brunson piece the shit out of Yoel Romero for two rounds before before like gassing and fucking up but he's he hasn't lost you know it's the Izzy fight was a disaster but aside from that like he hasn't lost that many minutes of that many fights yeah I agree with you though the Izzy fight he was just weirdly scared of the guy the Whitaker fight he just like stormed him just trying to throw everything and got exhausted and finished um so yeah, he he's a lot more selective now with the strikes. He tempers his energy. He knows the value of that. He has high level training partners, high level coaches. All of a sudden, and it's made all of the difference. Holland is a tall, fast striker, and Brunson lost to Adesanya and Anderson Silva, who fit that description. Even if the Anderson Silva fight was super close, right? He can lose a close fight to this sort of body type. Holland also has a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, which could discourage Brunson from getting takedowns. However, I'm picking Brunson for a couple of reasons. One. Since training at Sanford MMA, he's much more tactical and patient. Two, he's using his wrestling much more, and Holland's takedown defense is mediocre. He's given up 19 takedowns in his UFC career, including to guys like Darren Stewart, Alessio DeCherico, and Gerald Mearchart. These are not like known wrestlers, right? Not at all known for their wrestling, although Darren Stewart has shown that he's, he's got some wrestling in his game. Holland's go-to safety zone is the clinch, and I don't think he'll have much of an advantage there against Brunson. Um, and on top of that, the final reason is this is a five-round fight, and Holland gassed badly against Darren Stewart last year. And unless he's really developed his endurance, unless he's really going like worked on his mental game so that he can temper himself, um, he's probably going to have trouble unless he can finish just blow Brunson out of the water, which he's got a huge speed and reach advantage, so it is possible. My concern is Holland's fast right hand, since that's a, a punch of southpaw like Brunson should be susceptible to. But I think Brunson starts slow and builds up pressure over the course of like rounds two through four. And we could see, I think, if if we're still in the fourth round, I could see 
Brunson having full control and just kind of doing his thing. This could be a relatively slow yeah. fight with occasional moments of offense since both guys will presumably pace themselves, but I'm looking forward to the winner of this fight facing someone in the top five at middleweight. So this is one that I'm definitely looking yeah. forward to. You and I agree on the underdog there. Really, yeah, really exciting. I also want to just point out, I know the, I know what you said about Anderson Silva and Israel Adesanya body type. And while it's not exactly the same, Brunson does have wins over Uriah Hall and Edmund Shabazian, who, you know, are also pretty long-limbed, like, you know, lanky strikers. Uh, yeah, it's true that they're not quite as they're not quite as tall as Holland. They're not a six four. They're not six four. I don't think. Yeah, they don't have Holland's reach, uh, Holland's speed. Like it really, like Holland's right hand is my big worry in this fight. I don't think Holland is likely to land a submission unless Brunson does gas himself out. Uh, just, I mean, I guess if Holland has a great gas tank, he has five rounds to catch Brunson clean because Colin, uh, Holland has shown largely a good chin, and in that fight against. Um, Joaquin Buckley and in his last fight against Jacare, he's shown that like he's got serious power, dude. Like there's a natural element to his power too, on top of the speed. Um, so th- there's danger here, man. It 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 should be a close fight on paper. It is largely with the odds, but I agree with you. I like Brunson for those four reasons that I mentioned. My next pick is going to be in the JP Bays versus Bruno da Silva matchup. Bruno trains a fight ready with Henry Cejudo and the crew, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt with pretty good striking and I would say kind of mediocre offensive wrestling. He's kind of an all-rounder who has not gotten much of a break in the UFC with three serious prospects as his first three opponents, which explains him going 0-3. JP Bays trains at Fortis MMA going into his UFC debut here. He actually used to train uh, uh, at Team Alpha Male under Uriah Faber back in the day. He was on the South African world team in wrestling. He's got a pressure. He's a pressure grappler with a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt, so that's a good skill to have, right? If to back up your uh, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu game, doesn't land any ground and pound until he's basically got his opponent's back, since he's so focused on getting to a submission, getting to a dominant position. Mike Mark Goddard actually stopped this fight on Contender Series because he assumed that his opponent was out, but he wasn't. It was a horrible stoppage. And Mark Goddard, being the macho douchebag he is, he's just like, sorry, sorry, it's over. Like, you made a huge mistake, dude. The guy wasn't even remotely out. But anyway, he dominated grappling-wise on the Contender Series against, you know, a medium opponent. I think Bay should be able to control this one to a decision win. Bruno may have more experience standing, but Bay has pretty good striking and will throw calf kicks just as Bruno will. But odds are... Bays will be able to get takedowns as a counter to Bruno's calf kicks, whereas there isn't much downside to throwing that same kick at Bruno. So even if he can't get takedowns, he should be at least competitive standing. Uh, so I like the husband and wife tandem to win here. I know that you mentioned earlier you agree with this one. I do. Um, I think that's the most likely outcome. Man, I'm looking at these last two fights that we have to pick, and these are tough. I don't really want to pick either one of these fights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just staring. I'm just I'm staring at four dudes I don't trust. <laughs> What's funny is the odds aren't even that close, but they should be, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean Dante Mays is huge, but like Rocky Martinez gave him a gave him a run, and that which was not which was not really expected. Tai Tuivasa is, you know, fan favorite. I don't know if I would but, say he gave him a run. I remember that fight because I picked Roque Martinez. I remember Rocky Martinez. I remember Rocky Martinez doing pretty well and landing a lot. It was a yeah, really. It was a, that fight was a slobber knocker, if I recall. Yeah, I, I just remember. Like I, I watched, the, I rewatched at least the first round of that fight, and I, I thought that Maze was pretty much in control, kept it at a distance, and Ro- Roke or Roki, th- whatever his name I is. I think Martinez never went away and kept 
kept throwing a lot and and landed a lot. But I, I maybe I'm misremembering. And then I'm looking at this other fight, and I'm like, what, do I trust Max Griffin to do anything? <laughs> so, I, I guess I feel slightly more confident that that Max Griffin will use his wrestling effectively over Keenan Song and avoid getting. Uh, you know, avoid getting knocked out. I think he's a better athlete and a more well-rounded fighter. He's got the he's got the fight IQ of like a plate of cheese doodles, <laughs> and I'm I'm seriously worried about it. But I think he's got a clear path to victory, and that he'll this will be a split decision that'll have me sweating. I'm sure, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Max Griffin uh, to basically do enough and not get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, I I agree with the Max Griffin pick, and it's for the same reason. I I am assuming that he's smart enough to know that Keenan Song has terrible takedown defense and has been taken down many times over the course of his UFC career. He's never gone for a takedown, um, and he's got serious power in his hands, and Max Griffin has been rocked quite a few times in his UFC career. The guy's gritty. He has a lot of heart. He won't stop right trying, but he does slow down over the course of a fight. So a lot of uh, concerns with Max Griffin coming in at like minus 190. I think that's a little bit too strong in his favor, but... I think everyone's assuming that he's going to be smart enough to get takedown, so I agree with you there. And uh, for that last one that neither of us want to pick, I'm going to give the slightest edge to Taito Ivasa. Dontel Mays may be able to keep him at a distance and just posh shot him from there. I think part of this depends on how hard Taito Ivasa trained for this fight. He's you know been known not to take the sport seriously enough earlier in his career, and that's why he's got a, a three losses in a row. Those three losses are to pretty high-level fighters, uh, in his last bout against Stefan Struve, he looked in much better shape. I know he'd spent some time with the American Kickboxing Academy with uh, Daniel Cormier leading up to basically the pandemic. So presumably he got like a different kind of uh, angle on the sport and what he's capable of and what he should be doing. And I'm hoping he's going to carry that through to this fight. Yeah. And the loss to Spivak is aged better than we thought it would. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's true. Spivak is a, is a really solid fighter. And that's why I say those three losses were to pretty solid fighters. These were not like bottom of the rung UFC heavyweights. Well, two, two, yeah, two extremely experienced guys. Yep. And then, you know, a a very athletic guy who's a much, who's a much better submission grappler. Yeah. He he was able to get those Uh, takedowns with ease, man, which Dante Mays isn't really going to go for. But again, his size is what gives me concern. He does have power. That's the thing. You've got six, yeah. You're in 6'2", 75-inch reach against six inch, six. I mean, you're talking about a four-inch four inch height advantage and a, what did I just say, Tivos' reaches? Because Mazes is 81, which oh, that's is some insane. John Jones-level level shit. Um, Tivos yeah, is that's not like, tiny that's at 6'2", but he's notably smaller in this matchup. Oh, it's a six-inch reach advantage. Yeah, that's, you know, but but it all depends on if you can, you know, and how well how well he uses it um, to also may be able to to get inside and, 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 and Mark hunt him. I don't know. But um, I mean, he not, you know, he was in his last fight. He knocked out a guy who's seven feet tall. So, yeah, um, but it's but, uh, I mean, you know, it's seven stream has never has never been. A, yeah, he's never been able to use his reach. Yeah. And now never will. He's officially retired. Um, but uh yeah, this is. I agree. I mean, I agree with the pick, but I was really, you know, I was not. I I don't know what's going to happen. I don't have a lot of faith in it. But I, that was the pick I was going to make if I was forced into this one. 
So you and I ended up agreeing on every fight except for Avila versus Did we? Stoliarenko. Oh, and I was really just and I was really just being a dick about that. Um, yeah, Nick, and I didn't mean it. to Wear agree it, with Nick, you on everything. You're going to be proud of yourself if Stoliarenko comes out with an upset here. You got to decide, Nikolai. You're wearing this thing, or are you going to make excuses later? <laughs> no, I'm wearing I'm wearing it, but it wasn't like one where I, you know, if yeah, you had said I Kevin Holland, I would have said I would have said if I was I feel pretty strongly. I, I mean, I want Derek Brunson to win, but I feel strongly that he's the better fighter. Yeah. Um, and he's got his head on his shoulders. So, like, if you would disagree to me there, I would have put, I would have, I would have, you know, took a stand. I have a tiny bit of a hunch that Avila, like, something's up for the way, based on the way she lost to Eubanks last time. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, this isn't one of those ones where I'm, I got swagger about it. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that, of course. A little bit of a hunch, but yeah, I mean, we more or less, I mean, it seems our picks are in, in, in different orders to some extent, but largely aligned. Yeah, I ended up actually getting five of my first six picks that I wanted to get. Uh, but dude, that's, that, crazy. that's yeah, that's no guarantee that like you, you've done well picking, uh, picking these kind of uh, fights where you would think are closer on paper early. Um, so I'm quickly going to run down through our picks here. My first pick was Montel Jackson. Second, I had Julia Avila. Third, Adrian Yanez. My fourth pick was Grant Dawson. JP Bays, Bays, excuse me, was my fifth pick. And finally, Taitu Vasa was my final one. Your first pick was Macy Chazon. Second, Cheyenne Bays. Third, you took Gregor Gillespie. Your fourth pick was Roman Dolids. Fifth, you got Derek Brunson. And finally, sixth, you took Max Griffin because you didn't have much of a choice, Nikolai. This should be an interesting card. Like, I think there's potential for it to be exciting. I hope most of these fights stay intact. I don't see a high likelihood of us going through this evening and thinking, oh, that was just a bunch of boring shit. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now, before we go, there's a few other things to talk about. I mean, one, next week, we've got a friggin' amazing card. And everyone's only talking about about Stipe and Ganu, which we've been waiting for forever. The co-main events, friggin' the champion Volkanovski against the new version of Brian T. C. D. Ortega. We've got Woodley Luke. So we've got excited. Thomas Almeida against O'Malley. We've got Jamie Malarkey against Kama Worthy. That's really that's really exciting. Yes, it is. Menafield the night is getting rescheduled to this one. Um, who else do we have? Somehow we've got the return of Jessica Penny, which I did not expect. Um, yeah, it's a really good card. Oh, you got uh, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Um, but I also like beyond that card. I, did you hear the big news that was that was made this evening? Yes, the UFC is holding a lot full capacity live crowd event in Jacksonville, Florida with three title fights at the helm. Uh, I think the what, what were the three title fights? There's new there that's not there's newer oh, we've got well, we've got Darren Till Vittori coming up. That even I mean I'll tell you about that, but that that wasn't the new news. It sounds like you didn't even know this new news What's yet. This? So that that was you got Rose Nama Yunus against um, uh, Weili Zhang. Right. You've got um, Valentina um, Shevchenko defending her title she, against Jessica against Andrade. against Jessica Andrade, and you've got Usman, Usman Masvidal. Masvidal too, yeah. which doesn't make a ton of sense. No, I'm, um, I think it's just that, a money but, grab for Usman. Is all it is, honestly. But. But but there's a main event before that that just got named today. What's that? Because Paulo Costa has the flu, and, and who knows what else? Because he's a friggin' clown. He fell out of the Robert Whitaker fight. Stop who stalling. Just up tell us who it is. <laughs> who ste- I I will use uh, I will use a dramatic setup. Um, I can't believe you ru- you ruined that for me. Sorry. Um, Robert Whitaker will be taking on um, former title challenger 
and recent fight winner Kelvin Gastelum. Oh, I like it on Nick. the se- on the seventeenth. I think I think Gastelum is a tough matchup for Bobby Knuckles. He's got faster hands. He hits hard, um, and he can and he's got it and he's got a beard and a half. So yeah. I think that's a I think that's a really competitive, exciting fight. Yeah, especially given the mind frame that he currently is in. He he seems to be back to his old self now. Well, we'll we'll see what happens. But it's I mean, really really exciting fight. Other great stuff on that card too. Um, You've got uh, well, I mean Gerald Mearshart against Bartosz Fabinski. You got Alexander Romanov really? back exciting. in action against against. Well, you got Alexander Romanov <laughs> back in action against Juan Espi- against Juan Espino. Oh yeah, that's really that's really that. interesting. Yes, um, uh, that's that's very that very much is two men enter, one man leave. You got Jeremy Stevens against Jakar Close. That's uh, that's a fight I'm excited about. By the way, Jakar Close and Courtney Casey. Yeah. They have a kid together, Nick. Looks exactly like if Jakar Close and Courtney Casey had a baby. I did not know that. That's cool. But what I thought was funnier was how much trouble the announcers were having um, with the fact that Courtney Casey was being cornered by Casey Kenny. Um, <laughs> yes. It gave it gave DC a stroke. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, lo- looking at this next week's uh, pay-per-view, UFC 260 Miocic versus Ngano 2, I would say it's pretty top-heavy. Like, if you look outside of those top three fights, uh, Luke Woodley, Volkanovski, Ortega, Nganu, Miocic. Luke, Luke Woodley is not a top. I mean, you're dealing with a guy who should not be fighting. No, I, I don't know about not be fighting. He lost to, like, he lost to the three best guys in the division. Like, like I don't know if he shouldn't be fighting. because he, he hasn't thrown a punch in three fights. <laughs> he, he, threw, he threw a couple, but, but you're right. It basically feels He's that way. Bi- he hasn't. I mean, O'Malley, O'Malley, Thomas Almeida is a bit of a showcase fight. That's, you know, he's, I mean, O'Malley's still a star. Yeah, well, but again, that's the thing, right? We have all these, like, got, like the rest of this card, and let's say that uh, we take the two title fights out of it. Let's say Woodley and Luke is the main event of a fight night card. The rest of this card makes perfect sense. We got William Knight. I love William Knight. Yeah, but he's uh, is he a pay per view main card draw? Because it sounds like he might be on the main card in this one. Yeah, uh, Jilly, Jilly, Oh, they mo- they moved Moran and Maverick, Jillian Robertson. That's a that's a legit fight. Um, I think I look at the main card of this, and I think it's okay. If listen, if if Woodley was still if Woodley was still Woodley, I think you're looking. I think you're looking at a ver- at a at a pay per view worthy main card. Well, if Almeida was still Almeida, if O'Malley was still O'Malley, if Malarkey and Karma Worthy were still their former, like that kind of goes for a lot of people. Like there's a lot of yeah. kind of semi-damaged goods here. Again, for a pay-per-view, not great. But look at those two, Volkanovski, Ortega, and Miocic and Ganu is, I mean, that's, those are, you don't get any more high level than that. I remember we were, well, also there were two, well, also look at the two canceled fights. If the two canceled fights are in the mix, Johnny Walker, Jimmy Crute, and Blagoy Ivanov against Marcin Tabura, it gets a little bit better. Yeah, but 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 that's not the case, unfortunately. I will say, though, at the bottom of the card, I'm seeing Shane Young versus Omar Morales. Both guys coming off of losses. Both guys are exciting strikers. That will be fun to watch. I don't know I don't know how high level both guys are necessarily, although Omar has some real potential, but it'll be exciting to watch. Also, Abu Azatar versus Marc-Andre Berriou. That is like a guaranteed knockout one way or the other. Berriou looked way improved in his last fight, way more composed, way more effective. Although I'm seeing now that this fight got overturned. Why the hell did that get overturned? This is just insanity. Wait, why don't I remember Abu Azatar? He's not the he's not the guy that was like he is the guy. For being... He is that guy. Oh no, no I'm he's... sorry, that's his brother, Nick. No, he's but... not. 
That's his brother. Uh, but but uh, his brother, who was fired from the UFC for letting some guy like get into the bubble. I think he's back in now. He's back in now, yeah. Because you know what it is, Nick? When you have royalty as like close friends of yours and they can place a call to Dana White, it turns out it helps. Sometimes heads, heads are going to roll isn't metaphorical all the time. You're not fucking um, kidding. Nikolai, that will do it for this episode. It was fun breaking this down with you. Looking forward to talking about yeah, it brother. next week. Looking forward to adding to my streak, Nikolai, to, to expanding the distance between us in this competition. We'll see what happens.